Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Never Met a Duke Like You by Amelie Howard. This is the second book in the Taming of the Dukes series and was published in 2023. And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary copy of the book for our review. We did review the first book in this series? Yeah, just recently, actually. Mm-hmm. I thought this book was totally very different. Um, I don't know if I thought it was totally different, but it was it was different. For sure. I don't know if it was like the tone or like, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But anyway. Different vibes. Different vibes. Yeah, different vibes. It was vibally very different. Vibally different. Okay. Uh, so the book jacket. Lady Vesper Lindhurst is beautiful, clever, and popular. Afforded every luxury as a duke's daughter, she fills her days with friends, intrigues, and a self-professed knack for matchmaking. She may have sworn off love for herself, but she is rather excellent at arranging it. Faced with an insolvent estate, the Duke of Graydon has no choice but to return to England in a final attempt to revive his family's fortunes. He's been gone for years, happy to have escaped his mother in the petty circles of the town. To his dismay, not much has changed, including the beautiful and vexing heiress next door. But when an accident of fate traps the friends turned enemies in an attic together, the explosive attraction between them becomes impossible to ignore and even harder to resist. They are total opposites and their lives don't align in the slightest. But fate, the ultimate matchmaker, appears to have other plans. The second paragraph, uh, essentially everything about him, is just entirely false. Correct. I mean, you're right, and this is wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, just nothing about it is accurate. So, I mean, um, the only thing, I mean, there is one thing that is that is correct about it, and that it is that he's been gone for years, and he's happy to have escaped his mother. Okay, so his estate, not insolvent. Mm -mm. Uh, he is not coming back because of his family's fortunes. Mm -mm. His desire to leave had very little to do with his mother or the petty circles of the town. He expresses pretty much nothing about the petty circles of the town. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that that's just a, a complete fabrication. <laughs> that is a fabrication. <laughs> so um, the other thing, and I will get into this in my summary. Ah, so what's the point? We'll just talk about it when I do my summary. So as it. usual, we generated a random number between one and 50 and wrote our own summaries using that number as our word count. And this episode, that number is 14. Meg, I think you need to start. I can. I'm very happy to start this. Vesper fulfilled my dreams of fucking at the Museum of Natural History Dinosaur Exhibit. Yeah. Yeah. Lane, can I tell you, in yeah. Zach's season of The Bachelor, just recently happened, they had a sleepover night at the museum, and they got to sleep in the natural history section, and, like, literally, that is my dream date. Like, what? if I could do that, it would be amazing. One time I got locked alone in the taxidermy room at the Smithsonian's castle. I mean, that's almost my dream, but not quite, because you would have had to be... Different vibes. Yeah, you would have had to have been trapped in there with a hot dude. Basically. No, I was alone and it was freaky. Yeah. No, you. you it, there's like very specific vibe that I'm talking about. 
basically, if any of you guys watched The Bachelor and you watched Zach's season and you remember his date at the Natural History Museum with Katie, mm-hmm. it was amazing. And Which I, Natural History Museum? I think Chicago. Okay. Although, uh, could have been San Francisco or Los Angeles. Could have been really anywhere. Let's be completely okay. so honest. I, so the Field Museum? No, never mind. It's you actually have no idea. Museum. <laughs> no, I, well, I wasn't concerned that it had been. I was wondering if it was one in New York. Mm-mm. I'm like 99% sure it was not in New York. It was, had to have been like a more satellite city. It wasn't Washington, D.C. or New York. Wonderful. This useful digression is so fascinating <laughs> to where this is, is going in errata. Okay, so um, I respect that you called out the most memorable part of this book. Best part of this book, also very personal for me. Yeah. Ultimate fantasy, but also memorable as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, how about you? These two characters are so inconsistent, but at least there's years of sexy pining. <laughs> yeah. That's the only, literally, I think, the only thing that was consistent through this book. <laughs> the pining. They both always had it bad for each other, but have mm-hmm. been shit at expressing that to one another for like 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, which character you were going to get changed from chapter to chapter, which is it's- part of my problem with the book jacket. Because anything you do to describe these characters is inaccurate, at least in some chapters. It's true. It's true. Um, I will say that, so this is not in the book jacket. It's it's not really anywhere except for the marketing, but it's been marketed as a retelling of Clueless. Which is just... What? Like, I know. It's like weird to me because... As we all know, Clueless itself is a retelling of Emma, right? Right, but uh, as somebody who loves Clueless, I am struggling to see any parallel other than she's got a doting father and thinks most boys are beneath her. And the matchmaking. Sure, but like, that's 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 literally it. I would never have picked up on that as a clueless thing. No, no, never, never. Me neither. Me neither. Like, in Clueless, she ends up with her stepbrother. Yeah. No, I know. I know. Who's Dion? You don't, look, it's not, (laughs) what I'm trying to say here to our listeners is that if you have heard that this is a clueless retelling and you're like, oh, I kind of want to read that, just be aware that, like, it's not. Okay? I'm actually offended that that's something that's being spread around. Like, the last book was kind of, I would say it was, like, there were some pastiche. There was, like, some pastiche from Pretty Woman. that, And I did pick up on some of that. And I would agree with that description mm-hmm. more than this one being in any way related to Clueless. That's all. And that doesn't even get into the fact that Clueless is already a remake. Okay. Correct. When I mean, like, Pretty Woman is a remake of Cinderella, you know. Like, right, but Cinderella but, yeah. doesn't have the same you, level of correct text. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, just saying. Tropes. Childhood friends to enemies to lovers. <laughs> yeah. Go for that. <laughs> Mutual pining. Yeah. Um. They 
have a re-meet cute, as the book jacket says, getting locked in a confined space together and they're afraid of ruination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Um, she is the misunderstood society darling. She is actually extremely charitable, but everyone perceives her as very aloof and bitchy and shallow. I mean, to be fair to Which society. she's cultivating. Thank you. I was like, like, I get it, but also... I don't know. They can't know that you are into charity if you keep it a secret or something, which is fine. And like, that's actually fine with me too. Cause like, do I think everyone needs to like spread around their charities? No. Um, George Steinbrenner once said, and I am paraphrasing here that if you do a good thing and one other person knows about it, you didn't do it for altruistic reasons. Yeah. So like, exactly it doesn't bother me that she doesn't want to like spread it around right but her reasons seem to be a little weird no she's unhinged um his mother is um a textbook evil person and has made his life like she her goal is to manipulate the dukedom for her own game and her goal is for him to be married off to her ward who he views as a sister Uh and she is modeled after the character in clueless that doesn't exist okay (laughs) like my point is that is the main like plot conflict and it's not in any way tied to clueless no it's not you're right it's not tied to clueless at all yeah, but his mom is like the worst, which uh, so I it's very interesting because I feel like in old older romances, like old school romances, there was very often like the villain, the other woman or just the woman that you love to hate. Right. Right. And I feel like lately, like probably in the past 20 years, even people have been like kind of getting away from that. Right. OK. They're like, we don't need to write like a villainess. We don't need to have this evil woman, right? And now I feel like a lot of times, not a lot of times, but I have read a few romances lately where there is like the other woman or the 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 villainess or like the villain, the, the female villain that you love to hate. And it's almost like a, yes, we know that this isn't like amazing, but it's kind of fun to hate the hate, right? I don't know. Yeah, I think it goes back to when we say if you're going to be a bastard, you also have to be a treasonous bastard. Right. It's like you got to go all in. If somebody's going to be evil, they have to be either like really well fleshed out and multidimensional or they need to be just a caricature. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's sworn never to love because he feels like loving his mother was his father's downfall. And she's sworn never to love because reasons which she comes to realize are because she's always been in love with him and no one's measured up sometimes and other times Uh it's because she doesn't think she deserves love it's all very complicated yeah it is it's very complicated very very complicated and um, as you point out inconsistent (laughs) 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 but anyway all right should we just talk about this book yeah and we could make it tropier but like why let's just talk about it i i am gonna be 100 percent honest with our audience i yeah. read this book i read it all like i didn't skim it i didn't jump i didn't like i read it in one not one sitting but i read it straight through i didn't read another book at the same time and to be 100 completely honest i kind of forgot mostly everything that happens in this book except um stuff about his parents and the paleontology exhibit fucking which was amazing so obviously i remember that 
Right. Other I read it more that? recently and do remember the entire book. It was really fun for everything that had nothing to do with his past trauma. Yeah. So, like, the beginning of the book is her getting locked in his abandoned attic with him, and it's imme- immediately like uh, there's a thin line between love and hate. Yeah. Sparks are flying, and whether they're sparks of anger or sparks of lust is ultimately extremely ambiguous. <laughs> they they strike a bargain, question mark, where she basically just agrees to help his sister ward come out in society. Oh, yeah, it's not like a bargain. It's more like a bet. Like, I bet you can't do this. Right, but there's nothing in it for her. <laughs> it's all very... No, it's just very much like, it's very much like in Back to the Future, to use another, you know, old movie reference, <laughs> in quotation marks, where Marty just can't, he just can't resist a dare. I've she never can't seen Back the to challenge. the Future because I am too young for that to be a relevant reference. Oh my God, you've never seen it, Lane? <gasps> oh my God, you need to watch it. Okay. I actually think you would really like it. Um... I'm sure I would. It's just one of those things that I was slightly too young for. I mean, I'm shocked. It, this is shocking to me. But. And it never came up in my childhood. Dang. <laughs> anyway, she can't resist the challenge the way Marty right. can't resist the dare. That's all I'm saying. Um, and so the two sort of through lines of this book are... The two of them working for their pet projects. For her, it's funding the education of some orphans. For him, it's getting anti-asylum laws passed. Asylum as in, like, like regulation of institutional. Like bedlam. Institutionalization, yes. Oh, yeah, not like jim jordan I was, trying to like ban I, the concept of i, the I was immediately asylum. like he doesn't want ppd's anti-immigrant no <laughs> he wants to ban asylums and wants to make it harder for people to commit people whatever how much i remembered of this book because i was like and what <laughs> his mom sort of ends up being a linchpin opposing both of those forces and they're both like really secretive about the fact that those are their objectives mm-hmm. um I have a lot to say. Okay. About again, how much that didn't work for me. Okay. So here's Tell the me. thing, like, because I I feel like I, I'm of two minds about this book. If I don't think too hard about it, he's an archaeologist, like strong nerd, obviously my type. Mm-hmm. She's like cold on the outside, but warm and gooey on the inside and does good things actually out of altruism, not out of some like validation of her self-worth. They're extremely hot for each other. They keep finding the thinnest excuses to be in forced proximity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like the sparring as flirting, but they're both really bad at it because they've spent years poorly communicating thing could have really worked for me. And in the moments where I was able to forget the wider context, it really did. Mm-hmm. Like fucking against a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. You but mean, was, wait, I'm sorry, Lane. I've been waiting for like two months for this. Or do you mean to say that they were boning? But I'm bummed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Oh, I may have deployed that too early in the episode, but. <laughs> no, it's fine. But then the other part of me is really frustrated that, like, he tells her, basically, that his mom 
potentially did this thing to his father and ruined his life. And her next thought is to go ask his mom for help. Yes. And then he apologizes to her. Yeah. Yeah. Because he realizes it's not fair for him to expect her to care that his mom's a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. And like, he's originally convinced the reason she goes to his mom's for help is because she's desperate to get married. But in the next chapter, even though nothing has changed, he's telling people that she like isn't even interested in marriage. Mm-hmm. Like, I just didn't feel like the plot, not just that it was disjointed, but like I straight up wasn't following it. Like the evolution of their relationship was extremely. I, I feel like Amelie Howard had scenes in her head. And she wrote those, and then she paid no attention to how they connected. Do you know how sometimes, like, on a TV show, they'll film the episodes, and then for whatever reason decide to air them out of order? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because they want, like, the big action-packed one to be the one after the Super Bowl or whatever? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that's how this book felt to me. Like, there were right. individual vignettes that I really enjoyed, and yeah. that really had a lot of Emily Howard's charm. And then there, but, like, when I look back on the overarching, it was kind of a hot mess. Right. Yeah. I hear you. I, I like you. I, no, you're not wrong at all. This is I feel like this is a weakness of Amelie Howard from from the books that I've read by her is that her characters feel very hot and cold. Yes. And I think you may be right. Like she has this like idea of where she wants them to get. And she has she writes these like very hot scenes like. Yes. N- not just boning in the paleontology exhibit, but mm-hmm. also like there is a scene where they, they hook up in um, like a garden pavilion. Mm-hmm. That's very sexy. Yeah. Um, and so, but where she places them in the plot might not serve the plot. So then after that, she has to like kind of go back and be like, okay, well now they're going to be cold again. They were hot. Now they're going to be cold. And, and I it, don't know if she, you're right. I don't know if there's like enough connective tissue there, you know? Well, and frankly, they're even in the right order. Mm-hmm. And like in the first book, at least in this series, I feel like, I mean, <laughs> Nev, which we still aren't sure how that's supposed to be pronounced, given how. We'll Jennifer call it Nev. We'll just French. say Nev. We're fine. Nev, Nev, Neve, Nave, um, <laughs> at least had enough of like a fucked up backstory that you sort of felt like her being cold, even after a moment she let her guard down, at least had some basis. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, like she even starts joking. She, as in Lady Vesper, jokes in the last half of the book, like she doesn't know which of the Duke she's getting that day. Right. As if like their inconsistency is their defining character trait. And it's like that doesn't actually work. Yeah. Like Although, for a reader, I, mean, I need to understand when people are going back into their shell, what's driving that. Yeah. When they're coming out of their shell, what's driving that? Just that right. like when they get stressed they develop multiple personality disorder is not actually a compelling narrative. (laughs) Well, and especially not in, in a narrative where there is this underlying threat that he could be actually committed. (laughs) Right. Which don't even get me started on this idea that this thing that was so often weaponized against women, that was was weaponized against men in this text and men with power and friends I just found that really hard to believe it was a very odd choice I felt I mean on the one hand I do feel like the the use of committing women you know or or calling them mad Mm -hmm. 
I feel like it, it at this point it may be even slightly overused. Like sure. It's not working anymore as a metaphor or as a, a horrible thing that happened. Like we all know it happened, but I'm kinda like, okay, like we need to use other 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 examples now. But so I'm like, did Emily Howard think, okay, let's, did she originally think, oh, I'm going to commit the mother and it's the father who's, you know, in power, but then she wanted to like switch it up and like reverse the trope. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. It, it was, I'm not saying it's wrong to well, explain it, that it happens to men too. Like the equal pay legislation happened because Ruth Bader Ginsburg sued on behalf of a man was being but, discriminated against in a woman's field. Like, I get where progress comes oftentimes from, quote unquote, reverse discrimination. But it felt incongruous. Yes. And if it had at least been acknowledged, I think, in the text where he was like, this happened to my father, but I know it happens even more like in these other situations, like even it's that briefly you know? mentioned like one time mm -hmm. when he's meeting with her father to discuss right. the actual legislation. I actually think it was less that I needed more acknowledgement of the historical plight of women because I did think I saw that. Mm -hmm. I feel like I needed more explanation of how she got away with it with his dad, mm. like institutionalizing a duke. Well, it's because the duke didn't like to be in society and, you know, I just I find that all that needed a lot more context to be even remotely believable. She was very, like literally very one of the honest. 30 most powerful people in the country. Mm -hmm. Again, like I feel like for all that historical romance writers do their research and like understand the peerage. I do think sometimes like the actual power aristocrats held over like the legal system, especially when you're talking about dukedoms mm -hmm. is if anything like underemphasized. Mm-hmm. Like, they straight up couldn't be tried. Right. In, like, the judicial system. Right. How in the world do you think they could just disappear from society and be institutionalized with no one saying anything? I just I find that so hard to believe. Yeah. So you would have, like, you needed more explanation of that. Right. And I also needed more explanation of, like, it, the thing is, it was easy for me to understand why he believed it could happen to him because right. it happened to his father. Right. Like, obviously, all rationality goes out the window of it definitely wouldn't happen to a duke when you've seen it happen to a duke. But I needed to understand how it actually happened to his father because I, like, just straight up didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't care how powerful in society she was. I he was know. a duke who'd never done anything. Well, yeah. The fact that she mm. could get him declared mad and wouldn't just be told to, like, move to a different estate, even if he actually had been, is just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. You're not wrong, you know. Like, the shit Dukes actually did and got away with. Oh, I know. You don't even want to know it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the hazard, too, of every historical romance hero being a Duke, right? And that, But that's also one of those things that I could have hand waved away if that had been my biggest issue mm -hmm. my actual biggest issue was a quote from the epilogue mm -hmm. he makes a joke to her about keeping her barefoot and pregnant mm -hmm. like that is so anachronistic <laughs> i literally have this moment of like that's that like that phrase is from a moment in time when we had this concept of a housewife was it in clueless no. Just, 
I don't know, girl. I don't know. I don't to tell you. But, like, it's isn't it a figure of speech, like, from, like, post-feminism? I mean, probably. Like, I just, I don't believe an aristocrat would make a joke about keeping his wife barefoot and pregnant. It, I, I, I can't even not even tell you how much this, like, one line infuriated me. It's so funny because, like, I don't know. You don't that, remember it. I don't remember it, but also, like, if it had infuriated me, I would remember. Yeah, so clearly you just, like, gazed. It was in the epilogue. I did read the epilogue line. <laughs> I even read the author's note, which you obviously didn't. <laughs> no, of course not. But you know how um uh last episode I just didn't mentally process the first sentence of the book jacket? Mm-hmm. I think for you, sometimes maybe you just don't mentally process the epilogue because it's like, cool, she's going to be knocked up and they're going to be successful. That's yeah. possible. I can tell you what I never mentally process, Lane, is if there's an epigraph at the beginning of the of the chapter. Yes, I know that. And the dates at the beginning of chapters. I know you don't Impossible. Yeah, if it's not in the says, main body of the text, I don't. She says to him, I'm happier than I could have ever dreamed. And his response is, excellent. My plan to keep you barefoot and pregnant is working. <laughs> I don't know, Lane. What the fuck? <laughs> Anyway, like the the moments that I liked this book, I really liked this book. Yeah, yeah. The moments that were not those moments, I was extremely confused. Yeah, I, I, you know, I feel like this is one of those other books where we spent a lot of the episode like kind of being not so hot about it. But I, you know, I, I really did enjoy the book as I was reading it. It wasn't like super memorable. It's not going to stick in my brain except it for didn't. the. It's so funny because the first book, I remember him playing her like a cello. And in yeah. this book, I remember, the, I'm going to remember the paleontology bang. Like, yeah, Emily Howard, she can write some memorable sex scenes. And I like the, like, chemistry between her characters a lot. Yes. It's just so weird because I feel like the characters themselves are not memorable. Yeah. Like, the dynamic between them is, but yeah. the characters themselves aren't. And then the wider plot, at least in this one, was so disjointed that, like, I feel like I don't have good things to say, not because I didn't enjoy the experience of reading the book, but yeah. other than they had crackling chemistry and that's what made reading it fun. Yeah. The rest of it was like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I have read some books lately that I did not have fun reading. Yeah. This is not one of them. Like, I enjoyed this book. I had fun reading it. Like, I remember enjoying it. I just, but... like, if somebody could tell me why the fuck the B plot about her meddling with the staff was there except to parallel I guess now I'm realizing Cher meddling with her teacher's love life but within the actual plot it served no purpose no it didn't it didn't the whole matchmaking thing was it felt tacked on yes so but anyway I enjoyed the book though content warnings um I mean his father is institutionalized and tortured mm -hmm. within that institutional yeah yeah and his framework. mother yeah his mother has no she's not a person she's a one-dimensional villain yeah who committed the father right uh i mean i will say so vesper has she is supposed to have adhd 
I'm, what? I'm not mentioning. Yeah, I'm not mentioning this as a as a content warning, but more as a like, hey, you know, be aware that that's the condition that's supposed to be represented here. Up to you to decide whether it was well done or not. I, I'll just say we're not talking about Jen Comfort here. Who who does it really well? Again, I don't want to say anything that represents like me as some sort of expert on mental health or anything right, like that. Right, right. But I will say I would have had no idea that was the case if you had not said something. I mean, I only knew because it was it, it was mentioned in the beginning of the book. Which obviously I did not read. <laughs> I know. I know. You didn't. You didn't. I don't know. It wasn't mentioned in the chapter heading, so I read it. <laughs> um, the way right. we process this stuff is so hilarious to me. <laughs> Sexiness Lane. I mean, that was the highlight of the book. I was going to say. I truly believe they weren't sure if they were going to bite or fuck. Highlight of the book. And then once they started fucking, they kept fucking, and it was great. And I yeah. love the way everyone's concern about it is extremely extremely matter of fact it's just like are you protecting yourself knowing society gives a fuck about this yeah and when she reassures them on that front everyone's like okay your body your choice and I'm like yeah I perfect I also have to say like I really liked this is something I did remember about the book and do remember I really liked the way she talked to her friends about it yes I thought it was it felt like it felt like how you would talk to your friends about a sexual relationship you know right and, like, so it felt authentic in that way, and it felt fun in that way. Right. So I liked that a lot. I, the sex was the highlight, and not just because it was sexy, but because it was. Well done. Yeah. And everything about it was handled really well. Yeah. You know? And it was interwoven throughout the entire text, but when we talk about the best sex advances the plot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yes. The sex itself was very hot and what surrounded the sex was very hot, but did it advance the plot or the characterization or, you know, the themes or, or anything? No, I can't, I cannot say that it did. But if you want to read a book where they bone like on some bones, this is the book for you. This is a really fun book. It is really fun. It's such like, a fun That's book. where the sentence just has to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Like usually I then say something after really fun. And like, this is just really fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like, honestly, yeah, I'm having fun with the series. I'm not going to stop reading the series. But yeah, check it out. Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs>